What's going on, ladies and gentlemen? This is Muscle, and this is another Two Lines of Music Hut Entertainment Report podcast. And tonight, we have a really special guest in the building. We're talking about a producer. We're talking about a sound owner. We're talking about the winner of the quarantine class the other day. You know who we have in the building tonight? We have Bobby Connors from Massive B in the building tonight. What's going on, Big Boss? Yeah, it is, family. Everything blessed. Everything's great, you know? Yeah, man. Under, Thanks. Under lockdown, quarantine. <laughs> you know how it goes, man. That's why we got to do the interview like this. Usually, I'd have you in the studio or I'd come to your studio and we take care of it less. But, you know, at the end of the day, the show must go on. You understand? Exactly. Life yeah. don't stop. At all. And right now, because I know you guys are based in New York, so what's the vibe like in New York right now, especially with all this quarantine and stuff going on? Well, the people look like they're getting a little shaky. They want to step out. You know what I'm saying? I'm seeing more and more people on the road, but pretty much it's locked down. And then, say, Brooklyn Bronx police are stepping to people after hours, after 8 o'clock when it, when, when it gets dark and, you know, asking especially younger dudes where they're going and so forth. So there's a lot of hypocrisy going on, obviously. There's a lot of double standards going on with the police uh, and how they're dealing and addressing certain people. Uh, and that would basically be brown and black people. You understand what I'm saying? Because the NYPD doesn't have a great track record. You know what I'm saying? Uh, but overall, I mean, people are trying to do the right thing. I think overall, a lot of people, some older people are scared. A lot of people are dying. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Regardless of where this thing came from, who started it, how it started and so forth. That's, that's another conversation. Uh, but people are dying, and, and, and a lot of people in Brooklyn Bronx have died. I lost a couple friends already, so shit is real. Yeah, we know that, especially because it says they're saying right now New York is the epicenter of the pandemic right now. Yeah, something so, you don't want to be leading on, but, you know, it is what it is. It's kind of the melting pot, I guess, mm -hmm. for a lot of places where, you know, people kind of come first before they branch out to other areas of America. That makes sense. And how long do you think you guys are going to actually be locked down for Oh, I couldn't, I couldn't say that. I mean, uh, realistically, I, I'm thinking like months, months. I don't, they, they don't have no cure. Like, yeah. and then if they do have a cure, like the health, healthcare in America is very expensive and the pharmaceutical businesses run it with, with insurance companies and it's multi-gazillion dollar business. So it's, it's a lot of bullshit, a lot of fuckery, you know what I mean? Yeah. So you, uh, it's like, you know, that's why a lot of Americans move to Canada, I guess, sometimes for healthcare and so forth. It's just cheaper. It's a cheaper, uh, you know, life up yeah. there I think with the way you have your healthcare system in America. Where I guess you could probably get medicine up there, maybe $20, $30. And in, in, in America, it might be a $400 to, just to buy them pills. You yeah. know what I'm saying? That's crazy. It's fucking, it's, it's ridiculous. Son. You can't show, like, if, you're, if your money is just like kind of middle income, you're better off showing you don't make no money so you can get the Medicaid and try to get the free services. Because if you're paying health insurance, if you're taking it from your job, they're going to take three, $400, like a lot of money out of your check. Yeah. And this, so you can have health insurance with your jobs company, or if you got to pay yearly, you can spend $2,500 a year just on health insurance or something or, or more, I guess. I don't know. I do. I try to, you know, I try to pimp the game. So yeah, <laughs> I know how it goes. So let's get into some of your history here, because I know it's like we're in a lot of troubling times right now, but there's still a lot of stuff that we could go through and enjoy. You understand what I mean? So no, I want to get into your history right now. 
When did you actually fall in love with reggae music? When was the first time that you heard a bass line and you said, you know what? I really like this stuff here. In the 70s, you know, as a kid, really a little young boy, and I liked it. Obviously, I, my dad played a lot of soul music in the house and so forth, Philadelphia soul music. But okay. uh, I just heard it on alternative stations and just gravitated towards it. Then in the 80s, I started going to dances like in, in Brooklyn and so forth. Mm -hmm. And who were some of the early songs that you actually used to listen to and looked up to at the beginning? Well, there's DJs. I like to like all kind of DJs. I like all kind of music. Mm -hmm. So, like from a from a dance music perspective, I used to love Tony Humphreys. Okay. You know, uh, hip hop. I used to love Red Alert, Chuck Chill Out. You know what I'm saying? Uh, even they, they, they uh, these guys back in the day in the early '80s used to be on, and they used to make some wicked edits and remixes. Was the Latin Rascals. Uh, and then from sound business, I used to, you know, love to hear downbeat play from, you know, all the Studio One songs. And then in mm -hmm. Brooklyn, in the clashes, you know, I used to go see King Addies with Danny Dreadlocks and Babyface and so forth and go follow their sound a little bit. He had Fergo Digital. And then, you know, a little later, Night at LP. And then, of course, Earth Rulers, you know, Spectrum was there. So I used to, you know, check all them sounds out. Okay. And when did you decide to say, let me build this massive song called Massive B? What year did the song actually start? Uh, I'd say around 91, 92. 91, 92, eh? Yeah. And I was, the, DJ, I was the DJ Bobby Condor's, you know, Massive Sounds before that. And I was I was doing well. I produced some house music uh, and some other other music. Okay. And it, it did well. I had a big song with Muda Baruka where I took uh, Muda Baruka's poem called This Poem. Yeah. This poem is vexed about racism. This poem is vexed about apartheid. And I put music to it. And it was a 12-inch called Bobby Connor's House Rhythms. And uh, and then I had another one on there called like Nervous Acid, which was like a techno track. And it did real well around the world, like on an independent label. You know, mm -hmm. so I did some music like that. And I was doing some little reggae hip-hop stuff and trying to dabble into the dance something and so forth. And then eventually, uh, as I started Master B, I maybe put one or two dance records out. Then I started... Uh, my first early productions were with Half Pint, Nicodemus, and Ina Kamosi. Okay, so did you did you start DJing first, or you started producing? First? No, DJing. I was DJing way before that. Yeah, early eighties. Early eighties. Early eighties. Yeah. And I was I was this DJing, you know, American DJ that would play everything, you know. Uh, and I always had a passion for reggae, so I was doing in the late eighties. I was doing real well on the club scene in New York, you know, mm -hmm. and this the party scene. And uh, what made what kind of helped me stand out a lot of bit with the, the the dance music was I always did a reggae set. Got you, got you. And then that's where you transferred because you originally started off as Bobby Connors. Yeah, massive, massive sound, sounds. massive sounds. Yeah, so forth. And I produced an album then for Polygram, uh, which which had a big song called Mac Daddy, a reggae hip hop song. Yeah. And being that, I didn't know. The legalities of you know I, I let them use the name massive sounds so i just said let me just put massive b sounds on it you know what i'm saying because i didn't want you know what i mean i didn't know to what extent you know mm -hmm. lawyers and all that bullshit. yeah yeah because remember back then everybody's still young so everybody's just you're just doing it for the love you're not really you don't know what you're really doing yeah i mean you gotta have lawyers though we'll tell everybody that make sure you get lawyers mm -hmm. You know, get lawyers and and have your have your uh, you know, with any dealing. I was young, younger, but I, I believe me when it came to contracts, which are contracts, 
No, no record business. The, yeah. the companies are in the business of music, not the music business. It's the business of music, and they are there mm -hmm. to make money. Mm -hmm. They don't don't think cats care for you or you know, brothers and all that bullshit. They it ain't it, man. It's business. It's business. Cover yourself, you know. Da 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 da. But I know that. Mm -hmm. You know, one thing with me, I'm just I I accept real. I'm a realist, so. I know if I sign a contract or if they send me a contract, it's basically a lot of times going to be a pretty much fuck you contract, but you got to have a good lawyer mm -hmm. to take care of yourself. And then you go from there and see what happens. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? And see what changes the lawyers can go back and forth with. Yeah. It's not a lot of people even dealing with VP records will assign any idiot contract and you know, they're going to be mad at VP records. And I'm like, fam, you signed the contract. You took that $2,000 or yeah. whatever it was. You know, and I've done business with them, but I just know what it is. It's yeah. music. It, they're, going, they're trying to get theirs. Yeah. And, and that's how with this with this whole streaming thing, you know, I, I, I just had, <clears throat> there's a royalty company called Sound Exchange. There was people trying to collect my royalties for my songs that were on Massive B. Yeah. Wow. I don't even know who they are. Yeah, and this digital game is wide open because you got a lot of fake, fake gangsters behind the computer just stealing. Yeah, and then when they get checked, you know what I'm saying? You know they can, you know what I mean? She can get, she can get funny. Yeah, real quick, want to get into some of your early productions? What were some of the early reggae songs that you actually produced? Well, the first ones was Half Pipe, Winner Takes It All, Nicodemus Ride Into Town, Ina Kamozi, Hot Stepper Return. And then I also had a Rasta man on there that you might have heard of called Little Roy. He's the man that originally wrote Prophecy that Freddie McGregor sung over, and also the original man that sung Tribal War. So I had him on the rhythm as well, as yeah. well as a Brooklyn artist called Super C, who had that big song called Bad Boy. Then after that, I was just going in. I voiced Shaggy, Red Fox, all the Brooklyn artists. I linked up with Burrow Barrington around 94, 95. Yeah, uh, you know, a bounty killer. We did Suicide Murder, which was a massive song in Jamaica. Yeah, you know, 94, 95. I remixed it with Jay Ruder Damage, who was, a, who was a hot big Brooklyn artist at the time. I pressed up the remix, mm -hmm. it played on hip hop stations, it did real well. Uh, <clears throat> then I was continually putting out Junior Reed. I did Bubblers around 95, 96 on the Taxi Rhythm. Uh, that did kind of cool. Some of these songs did well more in, uh, in in Europe with the reggae record stores. You know what I'm saying? Because sure. the reggae record stores, then them kids in Europe really love the foundation artists. And then around 97, I put out the Cuss Cuss rhythm with Shinehead, Burrow, Take the Set, uh, Anthony B. Warrior and King Kong, Rumble Jumble Life. Rumble Jumble Life's like a classic sound clash tune. Because yeah. King Kong has that voice, that tenor saw style. So, the Rumble Jumble Life, you know, and Matt, crazy big, you know what I'm saying? Uh, and then I continually put records out. Uh, I can't remember them in chronological order. I put yeah. out five, six, seven hundred records. Uh, what? Hold on, let me let me slow you down one because you're saying five, six, seven hundred. What was yeah, it? Like I, every, year, every year I was putting out a culture rhythm and a yeah. dance yeah. rhythm every year. Okay. And then on, on them rhythms, sometimes you'd have between five six seven to 15 artists songs 15 songs so you know you just do the math over the years yeah that's crazy what was it like linking with like say somebody like nicodemus for the first time to actually record something for him? he was mad cool he was mad cool i met him in dances in the streets you know cats used to see me in the streets 
you know what I'm saying, in them kind of hardcore dances. And I'm, <clears throat> nobody really looked like me. And, you know, then cats heard that I did some of that work. Mm -hmm. In the 80s, they didn't know me, you know what I'm saying? But then I did, they, they, they put the, the the face with the name when I did the the, the Mac Daddy record and the Super yeah. Cat Red Hot remix in 93, which was massive. And cats just said, yeah, man, this youth is doing things, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And I was voicing some dubs, starting to sound and, you know, spending money. So, you know, you know, cats is looking, looking their work and so forth. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, that's, uh, that's crazy right there. Even the, um, the super cat ghetto red hot. Did you voice the original one or you just voiced the remix? No, what happened was after that Mac daddy record did so big in New York and in Philadelphia and America, like mm -hmm. in certain pockets, uh, Robert Livingston, who was super cats manager at the time, wild Apache label, they linked mm -hmm. me. And they said, yo, do a Don Dada hip hop remix and then do a, a Ghetto at Hot remix. I said, cool. Uh, and how we did that now was they gave me the 24 track two inch tape, which was okay. real, real. I bounced the two inch tape, uh, the acapella down to my half inch eight track reel to reel. Now, the reason why I did that was because we didn't have computers back then. And mm -hmm. I had a, we had to make a beat. Yeah. Slam Remy was working with me at the time. We made the beat the hip-hop beat, but we had to fly the vocals in. So I said, let's make the hip-hop beat similar tempo to Get a Red Hot and Dundada's original dancehall track so we Got could fly, fly in the vocal, yeah. right? Now, you don't have computers where you can just shift and, you know, do it in three minutes. You know, you got to... So, like, the only way to do it, you had MIDI back then, but, like... Dance all tracks, they didn't have many. So we had, I bounced the acapella down to the half inch A track. Mm -hmm. The half inch A track now is a is a reel to reel. It had a start button and it also had a pitch control. Okay. So my plan was we got the beat. The beat is similar to the dance all tempo. I'm gonna catch it on the one and I'm gonna mix it like a record. Yeah. It took three, four, five hours to get this to get it. Because when you hit the start button, it yeah. did not start right away. This is analog machines. These are old machines that, you know, we hit the start, click, then it starts. <laughs> so it was a project. I'm, yeah. I'm I'm doing this, doing this, doing this. Slums over there sitting on the couch, falling asleep. And <clears throat> it eventually clicked. And I wrote I wrote it in and, you know, mixed it in like a, like a record. Yeah. And, and then, you know, boom. And how and how <laughs> one thing like how you would discover your, your mistakes is you'd put a nice slap back. Uh, delay on the lead vocal, you know what I'm saying? Uh, yeah. then, like, if I got a minute into it, then I could easily st start over and catch it. And you know what I mean? And I mean, it's a classic, you know. Yeah. We did that with a lot of records, mm -hmm. a lot of reggae hip hop remixes because okay. I did a lot. I did Cuddy Ranks and just a lot of stuff. So, a lot of so you were introducing that what they call, I guess, basically trap dance hall right now. You basically started to engineer that from back in the early 90s. Nah, I don't think so. I wouldn't say that. I wouldn't give us that credit. What we was doing was the Yankee. We was trying to do remixes mm -hmm. for hip hop DJs in America that would not mess with Jamaican music because in Cleveland, it's American. Mm -hmm. In Dallas, it's American. So yeah. we're trying to give you an alternate mix because the Yankee DJ maybe wasn't playing dancehall. You understand? God. America God. is not like Brooklyn. Nothing yeah. is like Brooklyn and Bronx <laughs> in America. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? You go to Chicago, they're straight Yankee places, American places. Yeah. Obviously, you got yard communities, but they small. Yeah. 
yeah. in comparison to the, the, what America is. So we was trying to give it a banging beat that a hip hop DJ that didn't mess with no dance hall or reggae would say, yo, I could play this because it can fit in my mix. And it's a banging beat. And whatever he's saying, yeah. it sounds like some shit. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Because to yeah. a lot of Yankees, Jamaicans don't understand a lot of Yankees that have not lived around the Caribbean people don't understand what the fuck they're saying because yeah. the patois and that shit sounds like Spanish to them. Yeah. You understand what I'm saying? I do. You know, oh, yo, what up, Ross? What up, what up, bro? You, you understand what I'm saying? They don't know what the fuck, you know, but yeah. motherfuckers love the badness, you know, and this, you know, especially from the 80s and 90s, say, oh, they're gangsters. They're gangsters. So yeah. they, they mess with them. You know what I'm saying? They, they, they mess with it. So, that's what we was doing. We yeah. wasn't trying to change Jamaica. We wasn't trying to say, Jamaica, this is what you need to do. Not at all. Mm -hmm. I love reggae. I love dancehall yeah. in its truest and purest form. But you just knew that's how <laughs> so you had to introduce it into the people. To try to get support and play from hip-hop DJs that were not playing the music. Yeah, You know what I'm saying? We wasn't saying, Jamaica, come follow this or whatever. Hell no. Yeah, you know what I'm saying because I love original dancehall. I still yeah. put out dancehall. That's you know, crazy. So forth. Because when I tour the world, the world does not want to hear dancehall trap. The world wants to hear dancehall. Yeah, and I guess that's why you you fell in love with actually dancehall reggae, not really hip hop. But you knew that's that was a way to cross well, it I over. Me, I love growing up, man. Listen, I had every I cassettes. You yeah. know, before records was coming out in the late 70s. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I had the early rap records, but King Tim the Third, Cold Crush Brothers, okay. Tony Room, Sugar, I mean, uh, obviously Sugar Hill Gang, but before that, Flash and the Furious Five on Enjoy Records. You know, I loved it. King Tim, uh, was it uh, Treacherous Three? When, you yeah. know, and he had Spoonie G and Kumo D. Oh, man, believe yeah. me, I loved it, you know, but right. I was just love music you know what i'm saying yeah i get that so then how did the sound itself form now because i know you were bobby connor's dj so then how the did sound. i guess yeah the well, sound coming to the phone now i started getting some work and i needed an mc yeah and i met jabba i was supposed to clash this one dude in the bronx the dude never came so jabba was there he started talking da 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 da, da. jabba's much younger than me and I liked his energy. I liked his, you know, assertiveness and so forth. He was a teenager. And I yeah. said, well, fuck it. You know, come meet me at one, two clubs. These man clubs that are hiring me. Mm -hmm. Come say a little thing. You know what I'm saying? We just started building from there. Uh, and and we just started working. And I had left WBLS. Funkmaster Flex linked me. He wanted me to start doing reggae mixes on Hot 97. Okay. And I started doing that. And then I slowly incorporated Jabba on the radio show. And... Mm -hmm. uh, We've been rocking ever since, and I, I probably went to Hot 97 in 94. Yeah, from 94? Yeah. Okay, so you said, I guess Jabba came into the fold about three years after you started to build the song. Pretty much, yeah, 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 because yeah, I was DJing already and so forth, but uh, yeah, but I met Jabba before that still, mm -hmm. you know what I'm saying? But there was the transition, because a transition of me just being Bobby Cotton as the DJ, and I was still getting work to me yeah. starting to sound and then going in a whole different lane. Yeah, because that's one thing. As soon as I remember hearing the word "massive V," the sound, I always it's synonymous with Bobby Conders and Jabba. That's who you always oh, hear around. That's what, it, that's what it is. Because when I knew I had it, when I was starting to sound back then, yeah. and I remember that was a hardcore gangster time. Yeah, I had to have a, a, a yard youth on the sound. 
Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And I wanted to develop and and, and give somebody an opportunity uh, that was young and that would be willing to ride, mm-hmm. not just try to jump on the wagon and say, oh, this, this, this could be a hot thing and then jump off and this, you know what I mean? Go do their thing or whatever. Like, you know, Jabba developed himself as an MC, a party MC. Yeah. And, you know, it worked. And we just, you know, developed and we brought other people on the team and so forth. But he's he's been here from day one. Pretty, I say that, you know, yeah, and then, yeah. you know, he's doing his thing and we still do our thing. Everyone does their thing, you know? Yeah, because it's always so funny because I know once you're from Brooklyn, Brooklyn generally doesn't connect with Bronx or Queens or anything else. So it's funny that having a Brooklyn sound and an MC from the Bronx, that's generally yeah. not New York style. Yeah, but I'm, I don't follow. I don't follow. I don't follow trends. I just yeah. try to make trends. I don't really follow yeah. like da 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 da. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? Because there's a lot of older cats that were on yard sounds, hardcore yard sounds that wanted to, you know, BDMC on the on massive be a massive sounds. And I just I started working with Son. I said no, I'm gonna rock with this kid. And there was dudes yeah. out there better than him at the beginning, but mm-hmm. I said nah, man, I'm not, you know, I'm a loyalist. I'm a loyalist, and if he if he gonna be real. We can make this thing work and do something, do something great, you know. Which makes sense. What were some of the actual early dubs that Massive B cut? Oh, the Barrington Levies. Well, obviously the Super Cat because I did that remix for him, and that's when I got the dubs. Okay. Uh, uh, Burrow. Yeah. All the Shaggy, Red Fox, all the Brooklyn artists. Mm-hmm. Uh, Junior Reeds. A lot of the half pints. A lot of Nicodemus. A lot of the Foundation artists because you know. Uh, they were the, in 93, 94, they weren't that old. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They, they were still relevant. Yeah. It, now, today, they seem ancient, but I was voicing them cats because I just loved, I loved that year. I loved the music. Yeah. And what was it about dubs that made you just love cutting dubs in the first place? Getting that forward, you know, fucking up the place. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Done, you know, mashing up the dance and. Uh, back then, you needed the, some dub plates, even on juggling dances, because they're hardcore dances. You know, yeah. you just don't always play the play the forty five. You wanted to have some fire. That's true. And when it came to the, because I know when it came to New York, you had like Addies, LP, Earth Ruler. Those were like the three classic towns. We'll say yes. And we kind of followed. We kind of followed more like we're going to have the dubs, but. I'm not going to voice these dubs, the clash, because then I can't use them on the weekly round robin dances we were on. Because we were playing five nights a week. You know what I'm saying? On all the round robin dances with okay. us. Rory Stone Love, because he was living here. Matterhorn. Then you had Lieber Love, Half Freak with Jagger B, and, and so forth. And we were playing on all of them dances, like Monday Night Gal Farm, Tuesday uh, with, with Nuffis Family in the Bronx, and so forth, so on. Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. You know what I mean? Maybe Wednesday off. Yeah. And were you guys doing any clashes back then also, or it was more... No, not really. We played on, like, like in, the, the, in Albany Manor and the dance hall and them places. There would be hardcore dances, but we didn't directly... Like, we were supposed to do one or two clash out of the country, and one or two times it, it, didn't, it didn't happen. One of the promoters in, I think, Bermuda, one of the places, got locked up for murder. Oh, and, wow. Uh, uh, yeah, they called me for some things, but this, the business didn't sound right. And I just... We were booked out so much playing so much that I wasn't focused on like I'm going to take the next month focused on a clash. Yeah. Like we was on the radio. I'm producing job is doing a million parties. I'm Mm -hmm. keeping one or two party and I'm, uh, and and we're playing out so much that we was, you know, we're working and, and it wasn't, we wasn't like this on it like that. 
Yeah, you guys were busy. Massive Beast always been that type of song. It's never been a. You guys could go into the hardcore arena, but you guys never. That wasn't where you guys actually. Yeah, exactly. Kind of like, 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 like a, a Stone Love. You know what I'm saying? They're not a class sound, but they can play hardcore too. You yeah. know, and same as like how like if you're familiar with the New York scene in the '80s, like the hottest juggling sound in the '80s, yeah. even like early '90s was was that freak with Jagger B. Super Claude and Jagger B. I don't yeah. know if you're familiar with the names, but of you know, course. yeah. And Steely Twitch and all of them were over there. Well, they, 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 they came, Jagger B brought them. Yeah. And Super Twitch is dope, you know what I'm saying? But Jagger B was, you know, he's that dude. Mm -hmm. you're, you're right. So we're saying, okay, you guys started out 1991 and now we're in 2020. Give me three of your three memories of three of the best times around Massive B. One of the times, I can't even remember the year, Super yeah. Cat kept a dance in Amazura and he linked me to select for him, you know, and play music for him and draw rhythm. We were still playing records at the time, so is that early? That had to be early 2000s, I'm guessing. I can't it remember. Early, early 2000s, late, late 90s. Yeah, anyway. probably early 2000s, I'm thinking. And yeah. we just came back from Bermuda and Cat calls me and says, yeah, now keep a thing and want you to, you know, play music and her mm -hmm. and I'll tell you the date so I said okay of course let me just check my book or whatever you mm -hmm. know and, uh it was a great dance him Shaba you know Michael Palmer yeah. uh John I think Johnny Osborne Sluggy Ranks okay and it was like 3,000 people it was sick it was sick and then I'm just I draw uh, this one really uh, one rhythm he had uh so he had a song called Permit for Bury I think Yes. It was a shank I shank rhythm, maybe. Yeah, yeah. Um, and they were just fucking that rhythm up, yo. Mm -hmm. The dance was rammed in. I just remember that because you know, uh, you know, just selecting for them set of artists. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> then I mean, there's so many great memories. You know what I'm saying? Uh, you know, just with keeping birthday parties and like massive anniversary one year where I had yeah. John Shop was there. With uh, Bogo was there, Roost, yeah. uh, all the all the John Shop dudes, all the you know the, the real street 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 cats, and then you know I had like Johnny Osborne, Chronicle, Shinehead, Burrow, Wicker Man, Bling Dog, uh, <clears throat> and and what I did is I always had like the massive anniversaries where the artists would touch the sound. You know what I'm saying? Because I, I love when the artists would perform around the sound. So I had yeah. Burrow touching it, and Chronicle, and Shinehead, and Johnny Oz, yeah, it was just, it was, you know, actually that dance was on VHS, so it might be on YouTube. Okay. And I had, I had that night, I think I had Stone Love and Fire Links. Okay. And one of my Jap Japan, Japanese sounds called Sunset, I think. It was, it was a historic dance, but mm -hmm. Stone Love didn't normally play with Fire Links at that particular time, I think. Uh, but they did it for me. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah, it was give, a great me, give me one more memory. Oh, Please. man. Me, me going to Europe with Boro and Japan with Boro and Jabba and uh, <clears throat> playing one time playing at a Japan festival with ten thousand people and we and and we we put Japanese old costumes on and just flatten the place. Yeah. Uh, played at Radigan's twenty fifth anniversary, probably what was that fifteen twenty years ago. Me, yeah. Boro and Jabba went over there and played and played. I played at festivals in Europe with ten fifteen thousand people. 
one time bringing Beanie Man up on stage and okay. flatten, you know, it's like playing at the early fully loaded and so much gunshot firing when we're playing Mob Deep with Bounty Killer <clears throat> on dub plate. Uh, you know, and uh, this man, this is, a, this is a lifetime of memories, man. Crazy. You know, I mean, you, you know, this hanging in the studio voicing Dennis Brown on dub plate, you know, with Junior Reed hanging out and, and yeah. you know, yeah. Boro and the whole night. Nicodemus hanging in my apartment all the time. Burrow come and stay. Junior Cat, Super Cat come to check me. Voice and tune. And uh, Bounty Killer used to come by and voice all his dubs by my apartment. You okay. know, and I used to listen to all the sounds and he'd bring Nitty Cutchy, Boom, out of my Elephant Man, all of them. You know, uh, just voicing songs and, you know, just having good relationships with most of all the artists pretty much. So I dealt with business properly and it was good with like Ellie and Spraga and Anthony B and so forth, you know. Mm -hmm. That's crazy. One name that keeps coming up every time that we talk is Boro Banter. How did you guys even meet and certify that relationship? I met Boro in the dance in Biltmore Ballroom, which was like a big dance hall where enough of the big dancing clash kept back in the day in the 80s and so forth. And I met him the one night King Addies was clashing uh, Black Scorpio. And uh, Boro and Supercat were DJing for King Addies. Danny Dreadlocks was selecting. And uh, and uh, there was clashing Scorpio who brought the Hornsmen and General Trees. I don't know if he brought anybody else. Maybe a singing melody. I can't remember. Okay. Uh, and it was just that night. And then I, I happened to meet him. And someone said, yo, this man will you know, meet, meet you, Ray, Ray, Ray. And that's your old vice to dub from a sound. And from that time, then me and Boro just linked. And then we linked ears, like, periodically to do some dubs. And then he started voicing songs from a label. And we just kept the link. You know, Boro, a real G, you know. He just a real G and real recognized real. And we just, you know, uh, started renting an apartment for my sister in the middle 90s uh, in Kingston 20, Duane Park. And we just, you know, just... Kept 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 the friendship and we talk once a week probably. You yeah. Know? Yeah, because whenever I heard the name Massive B, it was always synonymous with Borabant. And I always used to think it was almost his song, Massive B. Every rhythm you put well, out, you know, had Borabant on it. Bora, you know, Bora, I would send Boro a lot of the money for the dub plates. Mm -hmm. And <clears throat> he would voice a lot of work for me. Mm -hmm. You know, and then uh you know, I think uh you know Boro's never really had a uh, he was a top artist in Jamaica in the eighties, mm -hmm. but he like with Junja Laws and Volcano, and he DJ for Jarrow and all of them. But he didn't really get the the, the proper production and recording. Got you. Uh, when he linked with me, obviously, he wasn't the top artist at the time. You know, a Bounty Killer and you know Bourgeois were the top and so forth. But we did some good work, and and he found out outside of the Jamaican community, there's a world around the world that loves reggae dancehall and they liked his songs. And from when we did West Malone, Sensi, The Take A Set, mm -hmm. uh, God, we did so many records, Washington Session, Bible Again, you know, and then uh, this, you know, up until 2007, we did Battered In Them, which was featured on Grand Theft Auto 4, which was on Massive B Radio. Yes, um, I remember that one, yes. Big, yeah. big. Yep. Yeah, great video. And you know, he and 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 you know, uh I showed him, I just said, yo, Banton, you know, there's a lot of songs I produce that maybe Jamaica don't play or Brooklyn don't play, but I'm finding there's a whole world out here that love our, our, our music and love our mm -hmm. productions. Mm -hmm. And the record stores, there's people out there that that just love reggae the same way you love it, the way I love it. Mm -hmm. And they love you, they love you. 
and them songs would do great. They would sell <coughs> him on the rhythm. Like when I did T.O.K. Galia lead, that was the biggest song in the rhythm. Yeah. But when you go to Europe and them places, his song Money Friend played as much as Galia lead in okay. the European dances. Yeah. It's just, I guess, something when you're a producer, a sound man, and everything, you got to understand your markets. So, you know, okay, the U.S. market, this is what they're going to consume. When we go to the African and the European market, this is what they're going to consume also. Exactly. They, they, they don't care about that. the latest trend in Jamaica yeah. or the hottest artist at that particular moment. There's selectors out there that say, yes, I like this guy. And you got to remember, that's the 90s and Bento was high in the 80s. So they were, these cats were 25, you know, 20 years old, 18 years old, 25 or whatever. And they was like, yo, like they don't care about this the latest, latest trend. You know, they mm -hmm. just, they like who they like. And yeah. Burrow had that rock stone voice, and his voice with this, you know, ribby bong, ribby bong skink, you know, like, you know, vibes. Yeah. Crazy, crazy, crazy. And another name that you brought up a lot that you've done a lot of work with <coughs> would be um, Bounty Killer. All right. Yeah. What was the first yeah, time Killer, meeting him and doing work with him? Killer linked me with Johnny Wonder, who was a guy that was in New York, and they knew I did some bad remixes. Yeah. And uh, they knew I had my label. And then we had the radio show as well. So it was just a, you know, it was a good link. Killer was one of the top artists. And uh, I got a one song, and that was the, the first song was Suicide Murder. And then okay. obviously I mixed it with Jay. That, was, Wood, that was the very first song was Suicide and Murder. Yeah, and that was massive. That was the number one dancehall song in Jamaica. That actually bust in Jamaica. Yeah. And bust in New York and played mm -hmm. everywhere. Yeah. You know, and then I did the remix, which was crazy because the hip hop DJs loved it. Yeah. That's crazy right there. And everybody knows that he's cross, angry, miserable. How was it to deal with him? Oh, yeah, Killer, 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 Killer is a cool dude. He, he, you know, but, you know, he 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 uh, he going to do it his way when he want to do it, how he want to do it. You know what I'm saying? So don't feel like you're going to call him and say, he, you know, yo, I'm in the studio. He's going to come check. Nah, man, he going to come check you when he want to check you. Okay. you know? <laughs> It doesn't so work. Now. Get a whole week in Jamaica and scratch yeah. your head like, damn, this dude ever gonna come? Yeah. But uh, he always eventually came through. You know what I'm that's, saying? So, that's big. That's right. part of his persona. You know what I'm saying? But overall, yeah, yeah. he, 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 he a good dude. Yeah, you understand. When it came to when it comes to your production, because you said you recorded, you probably have at least 700 records. What's your top three records you'd say definitely changed the path well, career? I don't know. I always loved the foundation and the rubber dub, but that was the dance hall too. I just I didn't I didn't try to pigeonhole myself or put myself in a box. I looked I like I like I look up to people like Sly and Robbie, you yeah. know, like they did all kind of music, foundation rhythms, rubber dub, re you know, everything. Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, licking over rhythms or whatever on their label and then they did work with Grace Jones and Gwen Guthrie doing disco records or funky hip hop Crazy. or whatever. So I just, you know, I just would do all kind of music. I'd do songs with Anthony B, Sizzler, Don Carlos, Morgan Heritage. And then I, you know, worked with Spraga, Ellie Killer, Major Macro, Buru, and, you know, whoever. Yeah. You know, Cartel, Vibes Cartel. Crazy, crazy. So you run the whole gamut when it comes to actual production. That's yeah. your production side there. Let's get into your dubs. What's your three favorite dubs and why? Oh, man, I couldn't even... I couldn't even say Ra that. Randomly, random, off of, off of what uh, you can remember right now. You know, like this, you know, the other night in the quarantine clash, I just, there's so much dubs to play, you know. Yeah. You know, and then you got the tune for tune. I mean, 
you know, uh, I'm, I love Barrington Levy's voice. I love Junior Reed's voice. I love authentic dance-off voices. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Uh, Extra Boro is a great dub. The Super Cat's a great dub. Uh, <clears throat> I mean, the Barrington Levy's are great dubs. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I went to Jamaica one time and told Boro I want to voice Yabby You. Let me ask you now. Do you know who Yabby You is? Of course I know who Yabby You is. Okay, good. Hmm. Obviously, when I voiced him, he was kind of old and he passed away not too late after that. Yeah. And he sung the song War in the Nation. Mm-hmm. I love Roots, Rubber Dub music. Mm-hmm. So it's just like, you know what I'm saying? I just, yeah. I mean, you know, I got Alton Ellis, Freddie McGregor, John Holt. I mean, I, you know, I, I try to voice all the foundation artists, Sugar Minor, you know? Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I mean, you know, I got like it's hard. It's hard to say like which one is my favorite. But yeah, they're all my favorites. You know, yeah. <laughs> I, mean, I paid for them. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you understand? So that would definitely make it a favorite. Still, when when it comes to Bobby Connors, yo son, that yeah. in that quarantine class, you heard a house. Yeah, it was a house that just got paid for. Yeah. All them dubs. Yeah, that was house money. You know this, you understand that, you know what I mean? Let's touch a bit in this quarantine clash here, all right? How did you like that vibe going in? Because again, we know you're not really a clash guy, but we've seen you perform in that one. How do you like that energy? Well, I, I enjoyed myself because I've been going to clashes and playing in hardcore dances, so yeah. I had one energy going in, but then when I saw the flyer. The verses yeah. and the clash. <clears throat> I just said, "Well, this is where they're taking it. Mm-hmm. You know, this is where they're taking it. You know, Walshy and you know Jazzy and so forth. Like that's where the flyer is. Yeah, and that's gonna what and and being that's what the flyer says. That's what people are gonna want. You know, they're gonna want to hear some big tunes. Mm-hmm. They're not gonna want to hear like." This regular, regular juggling, the regular songs they hear on the radio or on the mixtape or in the dance. Yeah. They're going to, people are going to log on. They're going to say Jazzy T Renaissance, the people that know him, and then the people that know Bobby Massive B or whatever. They're going to say, we know they got their set. He got his set of tune. Let's, let's see what, what plays. Mm-hmm. And I just had the mindset that, uh, you know, going to have fun with it. And and, and 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 just be try to be entertaining and then play the music let the music speak for itself now you know obviously there's gonna be some songs that are bad words and you know uh say things that you know might be derogatory but that's just part of dance hall or whatever but i didn't have to really verbally say yo <clears throat> cuss out jazzy in a negative way or whatever yeah i don't you know i, I mean that ain't my lane i don't think people really were looking for that for me anyway and you know I can have fun with it, draw a two card, make two joke, try to style son, and then just play some music and you know what I'm saying? Like teach, 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 educate and teach and just be like, yeah, you know what I'm saying? And and, and have it have it in a fun way. And that's that was the mindset I had going in. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Yeah, no, definitely quarantine was good. And what it seems like right now, sound clashes like 
crazy right now. Everybody, even tonight, they had a clash. A major hype posted a clash. Yeah, yeah, major. Major, no major yeah. played massive beef for of five course. years. So, of course, of yeah, course. So That's he, what I was gonna ask you next. Said, you know, he, he said he wanted he clashed with somebody tomorrow. He wanted to use massive beef dubs because he yeah. played on the sound. And I said, sure. So yeah, yeah major's my G. So yeah, yeah. ready. Yeah, people. Did, people, people, that are people are. How did you guys get that link? Yeah. How did I get Major's link? No, how did you guys? Because okay, because I know at first it was you and I'm Jabba. You guys yeah, well, were the two friends. Jabba's and then the how did... There was other people on the sound, and mm -hmm. they kind of went their way, or they might have kind of did some things that weren't appropriate, and I just had to move on. Uh, and I knew Major played uh, Libra Love Sound in Brooklyn, yeah. and he's my friend from I know him from the streets, yeah. and I just hollered at him, you know, and, and uh, he rode with me. We we toured Japan, Europe, all over the place. He played five years on Massive B Major, and then uh, okay. Uh, his, co his comedian thing started taking off and I slowly saw his numbers go from <laughs> 500 Instagram followers to 10,000 to 20 to passing me to like, you'll be, they, I'm getting, I'm doing shows now with this comedian thing. And I said, Dad, I got to find another MC. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And, and, and uh, his shit took off and, you know, he's winning and I'm happy for him. And now it's been five years since he's been off the sound. But, you know, prior to that, then I just linked up Lando Hype. It really goes by Lando. He's yeah. from Portmore and he lives in New Jersey. And uh, yeah, we've been we've been touring all over. We've been in Canada, all over America, Caribbean, you know, J Japan, Europe, all over. So he's been on the sound, and we work well together, real well together. All right, that's big right there. When it comes to events, where do you feel most comfortable, Bobby Connors? What kind of events do you like to play, especially? I like little, like, I like dance hall events, you know, where you can bun your weed and buy a bottle of Hennessy at the dance hall price, not at some <laughs> like, little tight pants fashion, yeah. fashion fashionista dance hall yeah. fuckery that, yeah. you, know, like a, you know, Ray, 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 that's just not my, my thing. I can, I play at them dances yeah. <clears throat> if we get booked, but I like the dance hall where I can go in at nighttime, just, you know, get my $120 bottle of Hennessy and bought a little high grade and yeah. You know, just uh, enjoy the dance and, you know, play some good, you know, like a lot of young selectors don't even play reggae no more in the early one. You know what I'm saying? They're just playing hip hop or dance hall. So yeah. I like to go in and play early one sometimes and set the party right and then mm -hmm. just get on later, get a slice of prime time and, 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 and juggle. Makes sense. And who are some of your favorite songs that's out there? Who do you like to play with out there on the road right now? Oh, I don't care. I just, you know, I just, if, if I go and play with a DJ and he's rushing and speeding the dance, we just got to reset it. Yeah. You know, uh, we played the other day for Marksman up in Canada. I was telling you, the hip hop guys, did they did exceptional. Uh, I just, you know, uh, I mean, I go to Japan. I play with Mighty Crown King Jam uh, all over Japan. I go to Europe, I, you know, play with the European Sound, Sentinel, whoever's in Italy. Like, uh, oh, what the hell is the sound? You got... I go to Salento and play a lot uh, with uh, Rank and Lele and them, like, you know, because every country has its own set of uh, reggae artists, mm -hmm. you know. Uh, you go to go to Italy, they got their own artists, Italian artists, you go to Switzerland, they got their own artists, all over Europe and wherever. I just, I don't, it don't matter. I mean, we got Fire Sundays every Sunday in Brooklyn, the new Fire Sundays. We moved because the building got sold in Crown Heights where Bedford Stuyvesant now. Uh, we we put our sound system in, in, in the club. Okay. Uh, you know, real dance hall sound system. We string it up every Sunday and take it down. And, uh, yeah, I mean, 
My man, you know, like you're in the game for a, a period of time, you try to adjust and move with the times. That's one thing I would tell people. You can't be stuck in what you want you to do. If you want to stay continually working, you have to adjust and move with the times and, and, and st- try to be relevant in these times. Which makes know, sense. Which makes a lot of sense. All right. I have a round here called the Rapid Facts where I ask you some <laughs> questions and you give me back some quick answers. All right. All right. Okay. What's your favorite color? Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, I guess black and then yellow. Black and then yellow. Colors. Yeah. That's your logo. Okay. All right. What's your biggest fear? So you don't really tell people that because yeah. then people can have something <laughs> against you. <laughs> <laughs> That's, how I, <laughs> That's how I know you're a wise guy. I get it. All right. If you could have dinner with three people, dead or alive, who would it be? Wow. Man, these are hard. Uh, dead or alive? Mm-hmm. Uh, three people that I could have dinner with, dead or alive. Mm-hmm. Now that I look back on life. Oh, alive? Yeah. Uh, well, dead, I, I wouldn't mind like bringing back my grandparents to sit down with them. Mm-hmm. Uh, Maybe Dennis Brown, the reggae singer. Yeah. Uh, maybe Gil Scott Heron, the the activist yeah. soul singer. Yep. And you know, I think that I think that's that's about three. All right. Maybe maybe like if I had to put it like bigger than that, maybe uh, like a, a Malcolm X and Martin Luther King. Yeah, for sure. I get that. All right. What's your favorite food? I guess steamed fish. Yeah. All right. I don't need it enough. I don't need it enough. <laughs> but, you know, like, like proper steam stuff will cook properly. Got you. Okay. Are you a cooker or a cleaner? A cooker or a cleaner? Yeah. Oh, man. My son's mother might say neither. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, shit. Uh, okay. I would say I, I probably, I'm, I, I don't think, I think I'm pretty clean. You know, yeah. but I, I mean, like, I, 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 but I'm the type, I'm feeding everybody, but I may not cook. I may just go buy it. Yeah. All right. I understand. Okay. We have a couple more here. What's the last book you read or listened to? Uh, well, the last book I'm reading right now is with my fifth grade son, and it's, yeah. called, <laughs> it's called The New Kid. So there it is. Yeah. All right. I actually remember that book there. Yeah. yeah. I don't, yeah. but it's like, I'm, you know, reading it with him and I must. A fifth grader, so and now yeah. obviously they I've been out of school, they're locked out of school, so yeah, I'm being the fifth grade teacher. Crazy. Okay, what's your hobby? Uh music, basketball. That's it, that's my life. All that's right. All right. What makes you <laughs> what makes you relax? How do you relax? I don't know if I do. Yeah, always on the go. I don't know if I do, I'm just like I'm a person that gotta be doing something. Mm-hmm. gotta be doing something yeah. and maybe now that there's no basketball games on it's like it's like my man like we had the sound system and it was cool and i picked it was cool while we had it i just took it out the club when the club got locked down because of yeah. the chrome thing brought it home i started changing things then i started painting it you yeah. know what i'm saying like, <laughs> you, you know like keep, yeah like upgrading things that like maybe i didn't need to you know but i'm like you know 
changing boxes now and so forth, but I'm just stay trying to stay busy. Keeping it busy. All right. I got three more here in the rapid facts here. What's your favorite movie of all times? Oh, wow. Damn. Mm -hmm. Damn, son. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Oh. Well, you should have let me prepare for this, man. You know I'm old, man. This is a long history of things I got to go through. <laughs> it's part of the deal. Uh, I love, I love uh, Jimmy Cliff. How did it come? I like, you know, I like that. I think that's yeah. dope. I like, uh, <clears throat> I, I like. There's a kid growing up, Beach Street. Uh, yeah, hip hop. Even Wild Style was dope. And then. Uh, I don't like. I don't remember all these movies, uh, yeah. but yeah, I just that, that's 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 cool. Those ones there. Okay, I got two more here. Do you prefer to drink water or juice? Water. Water. Okay. You prefer something sweet or salty? I'm not supposed to be using either. Yeah. I'm at that age, but uh, I guess probably sweet because. Man, I love sweets. Yeah, yeah, I understand that. Okay, last one here. Your favorite comedian of all times? <laughs> I'm show my age here. Uh... <laughs> oh shit! Uh, of all time, yeah, all time. Well, maybe Richard Pryor. Yeah, I knew I knew you were gonna say that. Once you said I'm gonna show my age, I knew either you're gonna say Richard Pryor or Red Fox, either or either. Yeah, well, I couldn't, you know, after that, I said Eddie Murphy was good. I saw him live, yeah. I think. Mm -hmm. But now Richard Pryor grew up real. It was real young, but we was listening to him on album. Mm -hmm. You know, he Some, was fun. That's true. Something totally. I like. I like. I like. Older was Bernie Mac Chudo. I liked it. Yeah. I scared you, motherfuckers. Yeah. <laughs> I ain't scared. No, I ain't scared. <laughs> Something totally left field. What background are you? Where are you from? I was born here. My yeah. parents. My parents are American. I think my uh, my father's side. He didn't really know his father, and and our name got shortened. Yeah. Because uh, he didn't know how to read or write. My mm -hmm. dad's father, like when he had married, it's his mom's, but then he had left them. So my dad never knew him. So the name got shortened. It was longer than Condors, but they're supposed to be from Polish descent. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. But like, uh, we don't really know. So yeah. from that aspect, you know, like got you. You know, he was saying Russian or Polish. So yeah. I just, you know, that's where you work with. I got you because yeah, I remember yeah. you from you. I would like, I would like to like do some research. I don't know though. Mm -hmm. I remember you from you had your dreads. Yeah, uh, yeah, I long, I used to, yeah, I used to have a beard and yeah, yeah. I remember, I remember that Bobby scare people. <laughs> <laughs> Bobby, before I get you out of here, if there's anything no, you want to say, before you go, yeah, before you go, I don't know when you air this. I want yeah. people to know sometime over the next two, three months, I'm dropping a new Massive V Legacy Volume Two. Okay. I'm Yankee. I can say two. Volume two, not volume four, volume two. two. And it'll have a lot of Massive Beat classics on it from Junior Reed, the Borough Killer, the Cartel, but a brand new cartel. One new cartel, which I featured on the Quarantine Clash the other day, which was, uh, the, it's called About Us. We're going to try to finish this video with this quarantine thing going on. Uh, obviously, you can't get cartel in the video, but it's a dancehall thing. It's a dancehall rhythm and cyclones on a rhythm and so forth. 
And uh, but it's a it's a bad dance off thing, and this is something I'll be putting out just to keep you know Master B relevant and let people still know the younger generation of the things that we have did over the years. For sure, something totally totally random I want to ask you too is when it comes to even as a producer now, you don't have to go into detail, but this is something I've always wondered and people always ask is, as a producer, how do you make money, especially in reggae business? Well, see, like, when records were pressing and selling, mm -hmm. you just had to be a soldier in the streets. Like, I'm a street dude, you know what I'm saying? So, yeah. like, you, got, you had to be willing to be in the streets and walk with a receipt book. Mm -hmm. So while the cats, a lot of cats in the 80s and 90s was hustling drugs, I was selling records out of my car to every mom and pop record shop. I'd walk with a receipt book and I'd have the hammer underneath the seat. Yeah. You know what I'm and, 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 you know, I'd be go out there collecting my bread and leave product and collect product and then slowly developed uh, the brand where people from around the world were buying uh records in Germany, Italy, Switzerland, Trinidad, Jamaica, wherever, <clears throat> even Canada, yeah. uh, where the songs would be in these mama pop record shops and you'd go just, you know, collect your money, mm -hmm. so forth, you know. It's a grind. It was a grind. I used to, you know, for 15, what, 92 to 2007, around there, mm -hmm. the records were selling. Mm -hmm. Up until then, uh, I would do days, you know, Friday, Friday's the day to go collect and Friday, Saturday or Thursday, Friday, go around all day and, you know, hustle bread and then at nighttime, go play and dance. Yeah. It was a grind, you know, it was a real, real grind, uh, you know, but that's just, you know, if you're, if you're going to do it yourself, you got to really want to put the work in. And you know, hope and, and ain't no guarantee you're gonna make money because you can spend ten thousand dollars on a rhythm, pressing it up, so forth, so on, and that don't mean people are gonna go buy it in the record shop. Mm -hmm. That's why a lot of people, a lot of people came and gone and then couldn't sustain it. And plus, there's a foreign label and a foreign producer, and 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 and, and you know, and, uh, not being born in yard that you know, cats would look their bread when they voiced from me, you know, and I, I understood that, you yeah. know, coming off the plane, you know, you, come on, son, you already, you, you, economics in Jamaica are rough, so yeah. they don't want to come, no foreigner, cat looking like me, begging, Yeah, you know, they were like, damn, son, so I just knew, I, son, you got your gangs to get your weight up and handle your business, you know what I'm saying, and just go, go do what you got to do to get your money in the streets and just redo it. That's why we had a lot of problem with that one dude in Canada, on the Western Canada that was bootlegging all the CDs at that time. Audio Max. And yeah, because Cats really wanted to put it in him. And anyhow, if he would have been in Brooklyn or Bronx, it wouldn't have been good for him. Yeah. Real yeah, talk. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Real talk, son. And yeah. I told him that. Yeah. I told him that mm -hmm. straight up. Because yeah. those cats selling out the business, and they just don't know the struggle and the grind. You you hustle your money. You go you to Jamaica. You build a rhythm. Your voice. You mix. You you know you're out ten fifteen thousand dollars by the time you press your records. And little Fosse's gonna do a medley mix or whatever on a mix CD. Yeah. You're out here trying to sell your records or your own CDs. Yeah. Oh man, that's what the business. They just they just they just sold out the business, and 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 whoever was in Jamaica selling it and stuff. That's some, those are some real fuck boys. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And that kid, I told that kid, I said, son, anyhow, you're in New York, son, you're done. 
Yeah. You understand what I'm saying? Straight up. But come on, man. They, they, you know, there's some real cornball cats that, that live in West Bumblefuck and they're hiding. But they're yeah. just straight up extorting out, fucking up the business. Yeah. No, I remember those times because you're coming from records and then you ended up into the CDs and then you went to streaming. So I figured that the whole lull came in when CDs were around and then when streaming came back, you had oh, streaming, streaming, my man, my man, you make you make you make uh, a percentage of a penny mm -hmm. on one stream. So it's really hard. Yeah. Now it's really hard because if you have to come out of your pocket and pay artists a lot of money, mm -hmm. <clears throat> and you ain't gonna make no bread. Yeah. I didn't like I didn't care back then because I looked at it like I was I ain't begging no boy nothing. If if a man wise to me, they can't dirty up my name and we'll yeah. keep it one hundred. They getting their bread up front when they voicing and they mm -hmm. good. You know what I'm saying? And we're going to press the record, do what we got to do. And this, it's all right. You put something back into the business and then you put your work out there. And if it's good product, people are going to buy it. Yeah. You know straight, what I'm saying? Straight, you know, straight. But it's a different game now where, you know, the artists have to understand and the artists do understand. They need producers and then producers that are willing to spend on the song because yeah. you maybe need a video or you got to pay the selectors in yard to play the song or the radio boy them or whatever to get your thing bubbling. Mm -hmm. You know, it's a different, it's a different grind. And some of you have been in it for a long time. So you've seen the good, the bad, the ugly. Bobby, it's always a vibe when we sit down and talk. Before I get you out of here, leave any inspiration, anything you want to leave, your contact, anything. The floor is yours right yeah, now. Man, this, this, if anybody want to holler at me, a book master B, or if you want to get in touch with Jabba, Lando, or anybody on the sound, you can check me out on my gram, Bobby Condes, that's B-O-B-B-Y-K-O-N-D-E-R-S, and uh, the, the cellular link on, on WhatsApp or whatever. The Gmail is in my Instagram is 917-674-6232. Or, you know, you can check the website out too. We got the merchandise on there. I sell a couple shirts and so forth. But you can just holler at us, man. Let me, the street, man. Let me see the shirt. Let me see the shirt. <clears throat> that's one of them. We got a bit white too. Pretty okay. standard. That's yeah. Got the Scullies too. Where's the logo? Yeah. Oh, it's on this side. Wait, what's that? <laughs> Look at that? Oh, my God. Yeah. Close. There you go. There you go. Got the ski hats. We got the snapbacks hats. Whatever, whatever. It's all mm -hmm. good, man. All right. Amen. So, a lot Amen. of. So, yo, I appreciate the love, yo. Big up yourself. Big up all of Canada. Big up Specs, the Mars Power Soul Controllers. You know, all the promoters, marksmen, everybody in the show love to us out there. It's just all love, man. Bobby, it's always love. Thank you so very much for doing this. It was a great, I learned a lot, and I'm pretty sure the audience is going to learn a lot also. You know what I mean? Definitely got to connect again sometime in the near future. Hopefully, when you come to Canada and all of this corona. You, you live in Toronto? Yep. We're, we're, I'm okay, in Scarborough, right. East Toronto. All right, y'all. Be safe, man. Take care yeah. of yourself. Take care of your family, all right? All right. Big of yourself. Well, ladies and gentlemen, this is Muscle, and this has been another Two-Line Music Huts Entertainment Report podcast, and we are out. This podcast is brought to you by www.twolinedmusichut.com.